everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'll Be Back podcast. Um, this week, we are joined uh, once again by Al Scoops, Javon Edmonds. Uh, Javon, thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Um, how you been, man? I'm, I'm holding up, you know, like you said, happy holidays, all that good jazz to whatever everybody else is celebrating. Uh, new year, hopefully new Temple basketball team. Huh? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, did you, uh, where were you for the holidays? Were you home in Baltimore? No. So since uh, the women played Friday and the men played Sunday, I took a 5.30 train Friday morning and I was in Philly until Sunday night. Okay, so you covered both of those games? Yes. Nice. Um, and the women, they won on Friday, right? Whooped on Memphis. Yeah, they're having a, they're having a pretty good year, too, under their first, uh, first year uh, coach. Yeah, for a team with that many transfers, and like, it's not like this is Diane's first year coaching basketball, but it's a first year at Temple. With that as the factors, they're exceeding expectations. It's good to hear. That's uh, I, one might say the opposite of uh, what Temple basketball is doing. Uh, although you did say New Year, New Temple basketball. You know, yesterday they get the win. Uh, last week against ECU, they started conference play open with a win. Uh, what what can you tell us that you know? I mean, it's been a crazy up and down season, and now they're it looks like they're maybe they're on an up, but who knows? It uh, I guess conference play is where this team exceeds. I don't know. And even though I looked at last year's record and they were only 10 and seven in conference play, but it was still enough for them to get fourth place, uh, finish 19 and 13 overall coming to this season with a better roster, expecting better performances. And your non-conference ends up with losses and two by games. Wagner. Okay. I could have dealt with that had Vanderbilt not been a loss and, you know, everything else. But then you lose to Eastern Shore. And, like, Eastern Shore is the school that just admits anyone. Like, it's a school filled of partying degenerates. And you (laughs) lost a bye game to Maryland Eastern Shore. Is that close to where you're from? Oh, no, 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 no. Eastern Shore is on the other side of the state, way down south, too. Okay. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about it or where it is or anything it's, it's, I, it's by ocean city maryland i guess it's in salisbury technically if i remember correctly but it's like very southeast maryland when we um when we lost that game i i coached a seventh and eighth grade basketball team and we had uh practice that night so i watched like the first 10 minutes and uh i'm following along like mid-practice and i looked at my coach who actually uh, my assistant coach actually knows Jim Fennerty decently well. And I said <laughs> to my coach, I said, uh, Jim Fennerty, I don't know uh, what they're doing over there, but Temple's about to lose to a team I've never heard of before. <laughs> so it's, I was like shocked. Like, it was crazy because remember, remember, Temple started their season, well, started its season against Eastern Shore last year. Yes. And got off to a slow start in the first half and then boom, blowout. And yeah, I was just waiting for something to click this this time around, and it just never happened. It never happened, and I think – what did we give up, like 86 or 90 points to them in that game too? Like it was, like, bad. <laughs> like it, it was a terrible defensive ad, uh, effort. Uh, but, but then they turn around and they beat ECU, which – ECU, I was like, you know what, this is absolutely the game that I think they will win just because of this how this team has been playing. 
But then Dunn didn't play in that game. So I'm like, all right, maybe they don't. That was Jamil Reynolds is out that game. Like, you know, now. But then yesterday, I I did not predict them to win that game yesterday. And then they find a way. So, Well, they, they know what they're doing against Cincinnati. And Cincinnati can't get going without DeJulius. And Temple is just that guy's kryptonite. He, he's been in college, what, five, six years now? And Temple has the scouting report on him. Last, last year is Jeremiah Williams. This year is Jalil White. They, they, they both say it. Just stay on your feet and he can't cook you. He does a bunch of hesitation and pump fakes. If you don't fall for them, he's got nothing. And that was the case again yesterday. So, uh, you know, I, I like Wes Miller as a head coach. I thought Cincinnati would have been better than they were last year. I was actually pretty impressed by their non-conference slate this season. Um, however, they're not as big as they were. And Landers Nolly is probably the best guy on their team, which is concerning to me. So I think it'll be another year where Temple doesn't really have to worry about the Bearcats. Yeah, and uh, it is funny. I think we have played them fairly well over the years and definitely yesterday. So I was – yesterday I, I kind of tried to do a little bit of everything. I didn't have a ticket to the Eagles game, but I ended up just going to the parking lot for a little bit. Then I took a subway to uh, – the Mummers Parade. So I was watching the Eagles game at McGillan's and had Temple game on my phone on ESPN Plus at McGillan's. And, uh, you know, I'm checking it and it's like 10-10. Then we were up for a little bit. Then it was 27-20. to 20. And then what was that? The halftime score was uh, like we were down by two, I think, or something. So matter of fact, because I wrote the story um, for our scoop yesterday, it was – Definitely the stereotypical, you know, game of runs. So Temple had went on a 7-0 run, went up 14-11. Uh, then since he followed that up with a 7-0 run, and uh, that was 27-20. to Yeah. And then Temple gets a 15-0 run and just holds on to the lead for the rest of the game. And then this was a game where Battle came off the bench – Dunn came off the bench and we kind of really saw Hicks probably have one of his better games against ECU. He played decent. Uh, He didn't, I didn't think he shot well against ECU, but I think overall he's, he's slowly becoming all around better. It seems like, but yesterday him, Jalil White and uh, Hasir Miller kind of all stepped up. Yeah. Those are the three they need to step up this season. What Jalil finished with yesterday, 14 and 16. Yeah. 14 and a career high 16 boards. And I don't know if it was you tweeted it out or somebody else tweeted it at me. If uh, some of his teammates made some more shots, he might have gotten a triple double off of assists too. <laughs> he 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 wasn't close enough in assist numbers. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I'd say Hashir could have had a double double with points and assists. Had okay, some guys knocked down some more shots, but I don't know. If, I, I don't think Jalil was sniffing a triple double yesterday. Um, but no, it's a, I mean, it's a good win against a good conference team. Um, what did you think of how the team just flowed with Dunn and battle kind of coming off the bench? It seemed like, so with them off the bench, Jalil was able to go back to being his usual point forward self. Um, and you know how Sears a facilitator and Jordan was starting at the four, which was, it wasn't the best thing for spacing. However, that's another guy who can 
make some pretty decent passes and defend and use his athleticism to contribute in a few ways. So there was more ball movement. Like there were there were three pass first guys on the floor at the same time with a shooter and listen. Core Jankic is probably one of the nicest people you'll meet, but the guy can't play basketball. Um, so when they have the four that I just named, plus Jamil Reynolds as the starting five next season, it'll be interesting. Maybe one of them comes off the bench for Shane Dezoni to try to get some more scoring. Uh, my guess would be Nick comes off the bench and continues to be that small ball five. Uh but no, yesterday was a game that every Temple fan should have been happy to see because those are the three that they need to step up. It's done in battle. My guess is they're gone after this season, especially battle. Uh, and I'd say it's probably a 70% chance on done. So they need those three to step up. And Deuce Roberts will be getting a little bit of more of a role next season. But to see those three play the way they did yesterday, scoring the ball, rebounding, passing, finding different ways to contribute, uh, and, and defending. Very, very, I, I guess, exciting game. And done in battle coming off the bench. You rarely see a preseason all-conference backcourt come off the bench together and, and still have good games, too. So that was that was probably one of the most odd basketball games I've ever seen because of that alone. Yeah, and I, it's funny, um, even like you just mentioned them coming off the bench with the accolades, and even uh, during the game yesterday, they had a graphic up, and I think uh, Battle's second in the conference in scoring in a game right now at like 18-point-something, and they showed him coming off the bench, and like they showed the graphic, like number one's I think the guy from Tulane, two is Battle, and then it's like, but he's not even starting today, and this isn't the first time he hasn't started this season and then if you think back to the first three games of the year, at one point, Dunn was averaging 27 a game and was third in the country. 29.67 per game. And was top three or four in the country. He and was number one. He was, he was number and, one after the first three. And I, I've actually gone back and looked at that. Now, granted, Dunn's always been a great foul shooter and got to the line. I think in those first three games, he was like 24 for like 25 at the line or something. And then I, he, I don't he know was what, bullying guys. He was getting to that mid range spot. And exactly. And I yeah. don't know what's changed or, and he had a real bad stretch there where he had a couple of games where it just seemed like he was getting five and seven turnovers a game. And I, it seems like those are the plays instead of getting to the line. Now it was like a turnover and something just hasn't clicked for him too much since then. Um, but battle yesterday, I think was the first half. He had one point and then he finishes with 14. Um, and the second half, he, he has those moments where you just can tell when he's getting the ball and shooting a three, whether you like it or not. And yeah. he was in the he was in the zone yesterday and hit a couple of those in a row that kind of kept our momentum going. He got fouled on a few shots too, and the refs just were not calling it. Like he he literally got smacked in the face when he missed that one on the right corner uh, and just did not get a call. Um, but but the thing with Dunn that you were bringing out when when you're scoring thirty a game. You are the scouting report at that point. So when teams are watching film and, okay, how are we going to beat these guys? The first thing is we're going to make someone besides the 30-point scorer beat us. So what are his weaknesses and what's his deficiencies? Um, and I talked to Dame about it. The way he plays basketball, he doesn't leave his feet much. It's not quick. Like, it's not athletic. 
he's very much predicated on getting to a space before the defense gets there. He's got like a a Greg Popovich system type of style of play. He's going to get to a space at a certain time. So what teams are figuring out was, okay, we don't want him operating off the ball. We want him bringing it up, and we want to press him because he doesn't have a handle to get by guys. And that's when you see he starts slowing it down and starts turning the ball over. Um, And since then, he's been able to play off the ball more again, catch, get to a spot, pull up, catch, get to the rim, get to the free throw line. Um, But, yeah, Damian Dunn was just the circumstance of basketball 101. You score 30 a game, you are the scouting report. And teams are just going to say, anyone but this guy. And – uh, I don't mean to uh, pour on you kind of said about Yankovic. Uh, there was a play yesterday where I think Kasir Miller had a drive and it, he Miller's just said either got to go up with it or like kick it out to a shooter. And he tried to do like a little dump off in the middle of the lane to Jankovic. And it, he like lost the ball and it ended up shooting like a 22 footer. Like he literally ended up shooting like a three with two seconds left on the shot clock because that's where he basically got the ball. Yeah, he, he shot like a 20 footer. And I was just like, I was like, that was just one of those moments where I'm like, all right, this is where the Temple team falls apart. Like it was like a two or four point game at that point, and we just couldn't get it back up to seven. And I was like, all right, this this looks like the Temple team that might be falling apart. Like if your center shooting this shot at the end of the shot clock, it's not pretty. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to mention he had a an easy like flash to the basket, wide open. All he has to do is catch the ball. And he's got a layup at the very least. And it just goes through his hands. Bobble, bobble. I, it turned over eventually. And I'm just like, I know at some point the perimeter players have to be sick of this guy being on the court. <laughs> like, they'll never say it, but yeah, he's lost. He's, like I said, nice guy. But you can turn on the film and you can look at the stat sheet and it'll tell you. Stephen A. Smith's rant of Kwame Brown. <laughs> copy and paste it uh, and add a little bit more to it and you got a core and and like I, I promise you I'm not trying to be unfair but the guy can't play basketball it, it's it's evident so me me and my three best friends uh, from growing up we split season tickets to the Sixers and I would say that Stephen A. Smith rant probably just once a year randomly gets sent to the group chat just to remind us yeah that Kwame Brown is a bona fide scrub <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but when I'm a Laker fan, so yeah, oh. I, I knew too too well about Kwame Brown. <laughs> well, that, I still remember when he was a Sixer for a, a hot minute. Um, but it's funny you mentioned Jordan because I think when we got John Kutch, I was like, all right, that seems more like a true center who can you know catch lobs and rebound, and maybe Jordan gets out of like last year they were playing him at the small ball five out of desperation. Um, maybe it gets him to more of the four at times, and now it just seems like the small ball five. Even when Reynolds was healthy, it seemed like Jordan in that small ball five role with Hicks, White, Battle or Dunn, and Miller, the offense just seemed to flow for whatever reason. So whether Jordan likes it or not, he is a, a small ball five on this roster. Yeah, him him being on the floor at that spot takes a big man out of the paint and it just opens the driving lanes for Dunn, Battle, Miller, White. Um, and it allows them to run and get out in transition. Uh, Jamil, and it's crazy because when you look at Jamil, and, and we've heard some practice stories about him, 
and then we've seen it in some pregame warm-ups uh, and in some scrimmages. Like, oh, no, he really is a athletic 280-pounder. Uh, but it's like when the game time comes, there's not many – like, they don't draw up too many plays to allow him to showcase that athleticism. It's always find a way to get Jamal Jamil, uh the ball on the block, which is odd to me. Like, I've seen this guy – sprint the full length of the floor catching windmill mm-hmm. off of two feet. How hard it is for a 280-pounder to glide through the air off of two feet. Mm-hmm. So, like, the guy's got some athleticism to him. So it's weird that they use him only in that role and clog things up sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I still think the best way to be a winning basketball team is to have a post scorer. Uh but you got to find different spots to get him the ball also uh, when you got a team with as many perimeter scorers that Temple does. So, and it'll be interesting to see uh, the dynamic when he returns. Yeah, and I guess what's that? Still probably four weeks out at this point? If they haven't given you any time stable? He's, he's out of his cast now. So, it's a fully rehab and see how his thumb is feeling type of thing from here. So, I'd still say about four to six just to be safe because Aaron's a pretty precautionary guy. He's very big on protecting his players from themselves. So, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if Jamil just misses an extra week out of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, now with battle and done yesterday, um, have, it, have it seemed like they figured it out when they're on the floor at the same time yet? I mean – is it still a work in progress? I mean, battle kind of was the the more X factor yesterday, but it just is so bizarre that going into the season, I mean, you mentioned both two preseason uh, all-conference guys, and we've talked about how Dunn started the season super hot, and then, you know, battles had games where he – I mean, what was the one game where he didn't even play in the second half? I mean, it's just been such a weird season for the both of them. See, I had thought in that first three games <clears throat> that they looked like they had it together at least the first two, because I think Vanderbilt was where he didn't touch the second half. I could be wrong. I just – I know it was the game before Rutgers. So it was Vanderbilt. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess it's just those two – it's two guys who need the ball in their hands who haven't figured out how to do it at the same time yet. Um, and And I love KB, and I defend him more than anybody in the Temple media scene. I think the kid gets a bad rap. I really do. Um, but I will say this particular, I wouldn't call it an issue because it's just basketball, but it's a him thing. He isn't really a get his buckets through the system type of guy. And you saw it yesterday. Like he'll just come up to the wing or the top of the key and call for the ball. And it's like, let me work. And I'll make the pass if there's a pass to be made, but let me work. Whereas Dunn is more the guy who is a little more willing to get his you know, get his touches within the flow of the offense. Uh, so I do think it is at the point where you're like, try to space out their minutes. And then, you know, when it's time to put the closing line up out there, all right, they do need to be out there together. A healthy Temple's closing lineup has Isaiah Miller, has Caleb Battle, has Damian Dunn, has Zach Hicks, you know, and, and has Jamil Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Zach comes out for Jalil 
at some point for some defense. But, yeah, you can offense, defense, those two. But that that is your closing lineup uh, for a healthy Temple team. Yeah, and I, I mean, yesterday we mentioned, you know, Battle had those moments where he just has those spurts where he's hitting threes uh, and his drives to the basket. I mean, he he has plays where you can see where going into the season, it was kind of like, hey, if he has that type of breakout year, the NBA isn't out of the world for him because he has NBA offensive moves. It just seems like the rest of it, this game just can never, I don't know. I mean, I know a couple weeks ago they were trying him out as kind of like a an on-ball, like guard their main ball handler guy. Is that They're kind of out of that now, right? It seems like it. He was doing good. He had a Yeah, pretty... I actually didn't think he was as bad as it, as I thought. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah, like he had a pretty decent game against H. Baldwin. Um, it was just with Jordan Dingle. I yes. don't know what happened against Penn. I really don't. Nobody it, does. It's like Dingle was cooking battle off the dribble. Like that was another one where it was come off some screens. Like, okay, I will say Dingle made battle look like he can't defend the pick and roll, mm-hmm. which was, a, okay, you can't. You can't defend the ball screen. You can't guard the best player. So I think that's what ended it. But just one-on-one stand in front of a guy, KB does pretty good. It was when he got through, when he got through in pick-and-roll situations. It was like, oof, okay. Maybe we'll put you on the second-best guy. So I watched the second half of the Penn game uh, up the street from my house. is called a place called the Ale House. Um, you know, a decent amount of our listeners know, know of it. And uh, I went there Friday night. And uh, walk in the door, I see John DiCarlo. Did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, he was telling so, us in the group chat about that. Yeah, so it was good to, you know, I mean, obviously I've talked to you guys on Zoom all the time, but it's real, it's always good once in a while to see you guys in person catch up. So uh, uh, it's just uh, funny because he's a Delco guy, so I didn't expect to see him out in Montgomery County my way. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we got to uh, – Going forward, rest of the season, what do you like? Are we going to see this Temple team for the last two uh, two games that we've saw in conference play, or they play Wednesday night, um, and then they play against Saturday? Are, are we expectations high again? Or are we just wait and see? Well, they know it's desperation mode. Um, I'll tell you from the conversations I've had uh, with some guys, they 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 know it's all in right now. There's there's nothing else you can do, right? They need they need a good seed, and they need to win the conference if they're going to go uh, to the tournament. But uh, outside of that, if it, if they don't do that, they still got to get as many wins as possible. They're trying to build at least an, an IT resume. So I, I think we'll see a team that plays with a little bit more determination. I also think – Listen, we know the business of college basketball, and I'm I'm not telling you, you know, like this isn't any certified reporter thing. It's just you know the business of college basketball. That non-conference slate, six and seven, lose two bye games, missed opportunities to get some very good wins on your record. You go down to Ole Miss, they get blown out, and the day you lose the Eastern Shore, they lost to North Alabama four years into five-year deal, no tournament appearance. No, none of that. Like, it is very safe to assume Aaron's coaching for his job, especially with Arthur Johnson in there now, who has not been afraid to pull the trigger on some new hirings. Um, and so far, he's done pretty good replacing 
everyone he's gotten rid of. Uh, Leonard Hampton Keith has been a good replacement for Ben Kier Garrett Sharantnam on the volleyball program. Uh, everyone loves Diane Richardson over there. The women's basketball program, completely different from the Tanya Cardoza show. Uh, Stan Drayton, a million times better than Roger Charles Carey ever was. I, I'll say that with no problem. So, <laughs> you know. with No one's disagreeing with that. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I had my few run-ins with that guy. So, you know, when you look at where basketball is now, and this is a basketball school, and Arthur is very well aware of that, Aaron could be coaching for his job. And with that being the case, you know, and he, he loves his guys. He loves his assistants. He knows if he's out. Where does Chris Clark go for the rest of his career? Where does Jimmy Finnerty go for the rest of his career? Jalen Bond and Colin Daly and and all those guys. Um, so I, I do think it, we could see a lot of shaking things up, and we see a lot more of the Hicks White Miller combination. Yeah. Uh, so Wednesday they have South Florida. Um, I mean, I think they're seven and seven. So. On paper, that should, you know, it's a winnable game. Uh, then we get into that Houston-Memphis uh, stretch of the schedule. And I didn't see what, what was the final. Did Houston win over the weekend? Because I know they were close to UCF. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They pulled that game out. They did pull that one out? Okay. I was following along briefly, and I saw it was like five minutes to go, and it was like a one- or two-point game. Um, you uh, you mentioned Stan Drayton. Um, so to, to end this, we'll talk a little bit of uh, recruiting as well because it's uh, – Temple football had a, a nice recruiting class uh, just from covering that. And were you at when they did the like signing day press conference last week? No, um, no, I, I was, I was back home, had okay. some family stuff to tend to. Okay. Um, but what can you tell us about, you know, some of the guys that they got for that and uh, what you think of that class? I think you get a guy like Jordan Montgomery from Roman. You're in a pretty good spot if you're drinking. Uh, like you, you, you won a local recruit over, which was uh, a, a big deal. But they, they had some guys that really impressed me. You know, Gensley August, good size defensive tackle, uh, you know, flipped him from Georgia Tech, and he had some pretty good offers. Uh, can you, can you say his name? Louisville. Can you say his name one more time? Gensley? Gensley August. All right. So, because I did a, a, a brief thing on each guy last week and I, I guarantee you I said that way differently um because he has you have like an e at the end of it too yeah like it, so all it, right. it, it might be augusty maybe all right. <laughs> I said I said I was like guys I am reading these names mostly for the first or second time myself so I apologize now if I say these incorrectly um sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there keep y'all <laughs> um him uh Caden's big on Tyler Douglas uh the thing is, I just don't know when he plays, considering yeah, EJ Warner, right? Could be three years down the road. Um, So, with that being the case, I like the running backs. Joe Quest Smith and Kyle Williams, two dynamic playmakers. Uh, somebody, and I won't say any names, had questions about Joe Quest Smith's size at that presser. 5'8", 190 pounds. Listen. A small running back is my dream. Those guys get through creases and gaps with no problem. So I, I don't worry about sides whatsoever for a running back. Maybe you want him to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Okay, getting up to 5'8", 210, I'm cool with that. But as far as that height goes, 
perfect for me. I'm a fan of the Danny Amendolas and the Darren Sproles and the and the very vices of the world. Uh, I thought my receiver wise, Richard Dandridge and Dante Wright. You know, Dante Wright was an All Mountain West guy at Colorado State, and he can return kicks. So no punts, excuse me. So that was desperately needed for Tampa. Yes. Maude Anderson. I'm sorry, but the less he's got to make decisions, the yeah. better. Uh, and, I'll agree with that one. The, the punt returning this year was – Yeah, and Malik Cooper, it's time for somebody else. Yeah. You know? So, you know, filled up some spots on the offensive line. You hope those guys can can work out. Got some more corners because uh, they, def- they, they definitely do need to define a definitive CB2 next to uh, Jalen McMurray. And then Peter Clark's got good size at the tight end. He can be the next – the next receiving tight end. So a pretty good class. I think they were fifth in the group of five, maybe fourth. Yeah, most most people had fourth or fifth in the, the non-power conferences. So that. it's pretty pretty good, especially for a conference that's getting a whole lot weaker. Uh, and that's a, that's a whole other tirade for another day. Yeah, right. <laughs> of what I think about the new American Athletic Conference. The the part Texas part a little bit everywhere else conference. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I thought overall just, you know, again, it's this is all on paper, but it looks like for the offensive and defensive line, they got size and for, you know, running back and wide receiver, they got playmakers, which you have EJ Warner, you're gonna need playmakers at wide receiver. And I like Edward Sadie as a person, but you know, we, we needed a running back to add to this class and they got a couple. So Yeah, again, Ed. Nice guy. Offensive and, line was bad. I get it, but yeah, it's, just it wasn't really the most explosive. Didn't have the most gap discipline, I guess. I don't know. Everyone got excited over that South Florida game. And listen, <laughs> yeah. I was labeled Debbie Downer and I didn't care. I told everyone it's fool's gold. It's South Florida. Okay. <laughs> They've got four wins in the past four years, past three years for a reason, right? You get blown out from by Temple, and it gets your head coach fired. It lets you know how <laughs> dreadful of a program you are. So and, you know, and like, I, no I, disrespect I, to Ed and, and his family, but that game was fool's gold. At the end of the year, Ed's stats actually looked decent, and then like in my head, I'm like, a third of his stats are from that game. So yes. like if you, so it's like that means the rest of the year he really only had like 450 yards rushing and you know, maybe 100 yards receiving. So, like... Sean, he entered that game <laughs> in the low to mid threes in terms of yards per carry. Yeah. And left out at, like, 5.1. Yes. Yeah, that is... Uh, I mean, hey, good for him. And I mean, confidence-wise, if that happened, like, game one or two, who knows? Maybe it's a better year for him because that, you know... it. But it, it was... Uh, I, I agree with you, you know. It, it was a little bit of fool's gold there. Um but no, I, overall, I thought this class, uh, Stan addressed a lot of things. He did say in his presser that they're looking to add maybe four or four to six more, I think was his exact quote. Um, any insight on that yet or kind of wait and see? Because there's another signing day, was that, February 1st or something like that? I believe so. Um, So they, they do have – they brought in a lot of guys mm-hmm. last month, so – this February one is going to be – they're going to be very particular about the guys they take. 
And this is where you're going to see, again, listen, we know how college sports works. Hey, Trey Blair, you know, there maybe isn't a lot of times where you're here. And, and we want what's best for you, and we know you want what's best for you. So, you know, if you want to hop in the portal, we won't be mad at you. We will totally understand, you know, um, and you start seeing more guys like that jump into the portal so they can bring in some more guys. Uh, and that's just completely normal for any coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, – I'm curious to see that, and uh, especially now it will be – I think – you guys might even said it or Kyle might've said it on uh, your guys show. Like Adonica Sanders didn't even commit to temple until like the spring last year. So, you know, yeah. if you're looking for that type of a playmaker, it doesn't mean you're necessarily getting them yet. Yeah, no, exactly. There's some late, late additions. EJ, wait, Adonicus, wait, happens all the time. So spring, like you won't even see because spring practice was, Last year, I'm like, oh, Devon Fox might be wide receiver one, right? In that yep. cherry and white game. And then yep. the summer comes and I'm hearing Adonikis Sanders from Georgia Tech. I'm like, okay, we'll see what he's made of. And Fox transferred by week seven, right? <laughs> yeah, so you probably won't even see the best skill player come springtime. You won't see him until summer camp. Um. Well, Javon, we'll end it with this uh, since the holidays. What was something cool, uh, great you got over Christmas? What did Santa bring you? Anything good to report? Okay, so my my gift, my I guess my best gift this year was it had some planning in it. So I turned 21 on October 13th. So on the 14th, I came home, and on the 15th, uh, had a big little – Big, big birthday dinner with my family. Uh, out of me, my dad, my mom, my stepdad, and my two brothers, I was the only one without a pair of Jordans on. Um, my dad looked at me. He's like, yeah, we got to fix that. So the <laughs> next day, he buys me some red and black ones, um, brings them to me Christmas morning. He's like, yeah, here you go. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you, you live that one. Yeah, I got these literally the day after. So I guess the <laughs> thought on that one helped me out. <laughs> uh, and then my mom remembered two this. months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then my mom remembered this recipe um, for this like peach and cranberry cobbler type thing that her mom used to make. Um, and she made it for the holidays and it was delicious. It's like, where has this been for the last <laughs> 21 years? Yeah, right. <laughs> this needs to be a staple from now on. I love that. Um, so Javon, I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm in a men's basketball league and I am a, a role player at best. Um, but for Christmas, I asked for new basketball sneakers and, uh, my mom, you know, she's like, whatever, Sean, just go pick them out and we'll figure it out later. I could not find like high top basketball sneakers. So I got to ask, when did younger kids, like the only good high tops are $210, like Kyrie's or Giannis's and everything else is like $80 low tops. And I could not find high top basketball. It took me like, I think I went to Dick's, uh, looked online, ended up on Nike.com and found like a decent pair that was high enough. But when did the younger kids start playing in only low top shoes? So the last funny. time we were wearing high tops was when we were wearing basketball shoes with the jeans and khakis back in middle school. 
Uh-huh. Maybe a bit of night breed. Hyperdunks. Yes. LeBrons. Yes. That's when I was in high school playing in college. I was running at – back in my day, it was the PAV, but Pierce and McGonigal. Um, and that was like I needed high tops, and so now I can't find them. It's killing me. So now <laughs> it's okay. You're wearing – I think the highest most people wear now are like mids, like some exactly. Kyrie's or some Paul George's. It's just a, just a style thing, I guess. Because I don't but know, my thirty-one-year-old ankle doesn't need style; it needs support. <laughs> See, and that's another thing. A lot of guys tape up now, so their ankle support is the tape. Wear the low shoes; you feel quicker. You can get downhill a little quicker. You can jump with less weight on you from holding you down from your shoes. So. It's a style and a science thing, uh, but it's why you see so many sprained ankles now. Uh, the the lowest I go is mid. Like, I can't do super, super long. I can't. Well, I ordered – over the summer, I ordered KDs online, and they, I thought they were highs, and they came out and they were mid, like, when I – you know, they got delivered. And ever since then, I was like, I need higher shoes. Like, uh, I'm trying these, I'm, but they're just not high enough. So, for Christmas, see, that's my only – thing. There's not – there's not many good-looking high shoes anymore either. No, no, so, they're all. It, it's it's like the only time I see guys wearing highs now are when they're protecting their ankle. Yeah, That's like it. after they already had an injury. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I hate so I I have a, a middle school teacher, and a, a Catholic school. So normally they wear their you know uniform shoes, but on dress down days, that's when like some of the kids will be coming in like hundred dollar hundred ninety dollar. LeBron's and they're like the highest ones you can get but they're also one's pink and one is lime green and I'm like I don't want to wear these for basketball either because that just looks I don't know I guess I'm not a pink and lime green guy <laughs> yeah nah man, that's not the that's not um, really a combination exactly I, that's, I don't know it's just maybe I maybe I'm officially old Javon which you should appreciate because I know you ha- they they pretend you were the old man take Javon on Al Scoop as well. Yeah, Sam <laughs> Sam gave me the nickname of Boomer. So I guess um, I've been living up to it. Who knows? I did have uh I had Kyle on a couple weeks ago and I said I appreciate you and him because you've been so negative recently that Kyle's had to be positive. Yeah. And for years Kyle was the negative guy. Yeah, so he hates fun. it. <laughs> he he hates it. I love it. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with himself. It's great. Yeah. And see, I, I add a fresh perspective for people. And he said he said something. He was like, it's too late for me to change my ways. I have two kids. I'm in my mid-30s. My health is slowly declining. Something like that. It's like, Kyle, <laughs> the greatest man. <laughs> we got to tone it down. So, uh, Well, Javon, thank you for doing this. Uh, as always, appreciate it. Hopefully the Owls can keep it going this uh, conference season. And uh, we'll try to get you on at the end of the year to do a basketball recap. Sound good? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Look, if you need a coach for your uh, your men's league, I'm your guy, too. Oh yeah, I, I saw you got was it uh one of the like intramural leagues you went out and coached for the team or something? So so okay, here's what happened. The intramural game I didn't make it to. Um Liam and Johnny, our two new interns at our school, um, they have an intramural team that stinks. Um Johnny plays hard, Liam cherry picks and just can't hoop, which is a disgrace because his dad's a basketball coach. <laughs> um, I didn't go, but Caden and Max Denenberg went with our friend Hayden um, and did a whole post-game show and everything on it, which had me in tears, by the way. So during finals week, we then all went to McGonagall 
to play some pickup. Uh, my team got Liam's off the court three times in a row. Then I stepped off, and I started coaching the team that had Johnny on it against the team that had Liam on it. And, you know, we went down early, but, you know, Coach Vaughn being Coach Vaughn, drew up some stuff, engineered a run, held on to the lead, and uh, Liam went home 0-4 that day and did not <laughs> want to talk to anybody. So good good times, good times. Well, Coach Javon, hey, maybe they'll uh, knock on – hopefully it doesn't come to this, but maybe we'll be sending your resume for Temple basketball soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join, join, join Matt Langle's staff as an assistant. <laughs> uh, well, Javon, happy holidays again to you, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Most definitely. All right, and thank you guys. As always, I'll be back.